This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Welcome to Connect with Community Waikato on Free FM 89.0. I am Holly and I've got Drew with me here again this week. So if you were listening last week, you would have heard part one. Part two with Drew from Civil Defence this week. How are you? I'm great and it's lovely to be back with you. You're an amazing host and such a fun, bubbly person to be in the studio with. Ah, you just keep going like that. It's great. <laughs> so so we, we ran out of time because actually we had so much stuff to talk about last week and it was great. This week I'm going to start, I suppose, with that real community perspective and let's bring it right back down to saying as civil defence, how do you work with community and communities? We have a number of uh, civil defence professionals who are known as emergency management officers or managers. I think some of them don't like being called emergency management officers because, you know, you shorten it to emos. Oh, that's a good and point. Then, and someone goes, don't call me an emo. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I like it. But uh, so, and they're in each of our local councils areas. So Hamilton City Council, Waipa District Council, Otoranga, Tikwiti, uh, which is Waitomo, excuse me, Waitomo District Council in Tikwiti. Um, but we have uh, uh, Waikato District Council, Thames Coromandel District Council, Matamatupiako District Council, Hauraki District Council, South Waikato District Council, Topo District Council. Waikato Regional, regional Council. Council yes. <laughs> Think of it. There's 11. Yes, there are 11. It's there's, the biggest region in the country. There's 10 for us at Community Waikato because we don't do um, the Topol area. But yes, it's a big area. Yeah, it is. And in each of these areas, we have civil defence professionals who work across all of Council's activities with the community in terms of planning. And it goes the whole gamut from land use planning. And if you're not used to weird terms that sound so geeky, Land use planning is that kind of thing where you look at an area, let's say it's coastal, mm. and you go, right, so there's a little bit of a tsunami inundation zone here, right on the coast. And yes, it might be the most beautiful place to put a preschool or to put a retirement village, <laughs> but maybe it's not the smartest place to put that new building. Yeah. So, you, so our teams work with people like that and say, well, here's the areas that we think are potentially dangerous. So for if you've got a whole lot of school kids or a whole lot of little kids and they're under your care, we suggest coming just into these areas, which are a lot safer if you're looking for land. So there's that kind mm. of thing. Or managed uh, situations where people say, well, what if I keep getting hammered by the sea over here? Then what are you going to do about it? There's a lot of decisions that we in the community have to make. And at all times, you know, there's only two people that ever have to pay for this. Mm. It's you and me. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't matter whether it's our rates or a tax. Yeah. Yeah. We're paying for it. So we all uh, come at it from that perspective of like, well, what's, how can we look after each other? Yeah. And how can we do this and how can we not cost so much when we try to fix things and try to plan in advance? So there's all of that kind yeah. of activity that we do. So that's a really interesting element of civil defence that I imagine people don't immediately think about, that there is a day-to-day -day role in making sure the decisions we make don't cause or exacerbate issues should we be um, or have an emergency. Mm. 
Yeah, we have some obvious risks and we do a lot of things to mitigate that in terms of how we plan for things. Um, but we also work with specific community groups as well called, uh, well, we call them at the moment, community response groups. Um, they were the old sort of things that people used to do, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, commu- I guess once upon a time it was a bit dad's army-ish, you know, when, when everything was sort of new and people just said, I'll, I'll open a hall and we'll get going. But, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of changes in the, the political landscape, legislation, health yeah. and safety and all those things. So our team work with communities now uh, who are ready to do whatever their community needs them to do. Um, and if you don't know if there's one in your area and you'd like to find out, you simply just ring your council and ask to speak to your civil defense professional and they'll put you through to your local one and they'll say who they're working with or if you want to do do something yourself, they'll be mm. like, great, then let's, uh, let's talk about what you can do. So some of them have uh, community halls that they might have some keys and, uh, and they'll open that thing up if they need to. Or mm. they have groups that have everything already but they just work and help them understand how to coordinate. And if things got bigger in that area, let's say you live around some part of Claudelands. Mm. Um, and if something, we have potential civil defense centers. We, we don't allocate civil defense centers in advance anymore. Okay. Uh, we, I, mm, I didn't realize that. Uh, so mm. I can explain. That's a, there's a couple of real simple reasons. Mm. But one of them is that we don't know what the event's going to be, how big or how small or what kind of thing. Is it going to be something where people evacuate and they have pets and animals, therefore we need somewhere for people to come with their pets and their animals? Mm. Or is it simply, uh, well, in COVID, we had Lordlands working with a whole lot of people to, to do food. Mm. Um, so what is the need? So when we understand what the need is, we look at which of the potential ones that we've worked with each of the councils to identify, and then they go, "It's need. This one is the one that's needed right now." Yeah. Um, we used to do schools. I don't know if yes, you remember that. I did, and I just assumed that was still the civil defence kind of place was the local school. So, so that's no longer the case. One of the no, <laughs> I just uh, make it easy. No, no. <laughs> uh, it's not. When, there are a couple of reasons. Uh, one is, especially when you looked at something like uh, what happened, go back to Kaikura Huranui, the earthquake there. Yes. Um, when, when schools are, when the kids can't go to school, then the parents can't go to work. That's one thing. And you need sometimes a, a local community really needs to, uh, especially if you go to work and you get paid for when you go to work. And if you don't go to work, you don't get paid. Mm-hmm. And then you've had something happen and it's going to cost you. You really can't afford not to go to work and not to get paid. So yeah. there's an element of that. But there's also an element of um, there's a part of life. If you can have the kids at school because there's no reason to shut the school down other than what civil defense suddenly saying we need a place. Yes. Then it's a really dumb reason to shut the school down because then kids keep stability. Yeah. Um, it stops and a routine. strange panic and, yeah. and, and the whole life is not disrupted. It's like life can go on. We can start rebuilding pretty quickly. We just need to find a different hall. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose in New Zealand, we're really well serviced with things like marae around as well. And so they often have quite extensive facilities yeah. as well as um, public buildings. and Yeah. And marae are amazing um, because the, the marae is already set up um, with, I mean, it depends where you are and how you do it. But look look at Kirikiriroa or mm. many. So you have um, people already have a system. They have a way of doing things. That is. Yes. We know um, how to feed 300 people. Oh, man, <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah. Tangy, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but it's a parallel system to ours. And so one of the things that civil defense has had to learn is how to get out of the old militaristic approach of top-down mm. everything and realize, 
Marae has been doing this for a long time. They'll yeah. do it. They'll keep doing it. Just like any community, they do it really, really well. They know their stuff. They know everyone. Yeah. It's just making sure that um, we can plug the systems together and that way they can get refunded. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think we all got some good lessons eh, in the last one, the, in the pandemic um, during lockdown, actually, how we can partner better yeah. for, for better outcomes. And we'll keep doing that yeah. more and more. So, so how else do you work with the community? So there's, there's obviously a during a, a non-event time um, that you're, yeah. you're working. And let's come back a little bit to, um, to a Māori puraka or legend. Yeah. Uh, there's, uh, I'm not going to try and tell the legend, but I'll basically give you – there's a story uh, where Tāne was uh, climbing to get the baskets of knowledge. They had to deal with some obstacles along the way, and when, pe- when the others worked together – in the whānau, he was able to get the baskets of knowledge or the mm. wisdom, mm. <clears throat> the path to enlightenment that he took. And then the next part of it was to come home and, and uh, dish out the treasure Share to everybody that. else. Yeah. And so in a similar way, uh, our teams are looking at, uh, uh, the approach is not to take a plan that someone else has made and slap it on a community. Mm. You're not going to be the recipient of someone else's plan. The trick is a community of any kind, and people define communities in Whichever way people come together. Mm. And our aim is to make sure that, uh, in fact, we even called, just to remind ourselves, we called our, our approach Tiara Otane uh, in our area, or if you're in Kahungunu, you might be at Hawke's Bay, it's Tiara Otafaki. But mm. the, the approach is that you go to the community and you know, talk about something that they have been through. They'll know what they were strong in, they'll know what they needed help in, mm. and there'll be some key areas that they go this is our strength this is what we need and this is what we need to plug into Mm. Uh, and then we listen and we put that down and they make the plan for us and for them and then where the other agencies are needed so we might have uh, uh, Ministry of Business Innovation Employment Innovation and MB I don't I'm used to saying the acronyms yeah MBIE Ministry of Business Innovation and Employment yes (laughs) (laughs) Ministry of Social Development uh, Department of Internal Affairs, uh, whoever it happens to be, whomever, um, we make sure that the different people are plugged in. So one way is in each community, however they define themselves, our emergency management professionals work with them to get them to define their strengths and mm. the areas that they need help in. And then take it a little bit wider to a, a whole council area. Each council has mm. a local welfare committee, or you maybe they join together. So, for example, recently I was in Topo at one. Uh, South Waikato is, is there. Topo is another couple of weeks away. But then you have Hauraki, which is Matamata Piako, Thames, mm. Coromandel, Hauraki. They're together in a local welfare committee. But around the table, you have the different government entities. Mm. And social work, so whether it's emergency housing or someone working on food banks yeah. and someone working on Waiora health, there's all sorts of stuff yeah. at the table. here we've got the Citizens Advice Bureau and us as community workers all sit there as well. And, yeah, so there's quite a broad range of community providers too, aren't there? And um, Neighbourhood yeah. support. Yeah. Mm. And, and police and yes. fire and emergency New Zealand and yeah. on it goes. So that the, the advantage of this is that you have a group of people who are – each of the members represents an organization that is constantly working with communities at the ground mm. level and know where the pain points are, where the good points are. And you bring that knowledge together and that group can easily go, well, this area's strengths are here and there. Yeah. So, you know, you don't make the mistake of going, this community, well, I drive past and I think that maybe because they 
don't have high income in this area, they must be vulnerable people. Yes. <laughs> and the reality is something happens, they all work together really well, but someone who might have high income but has no connections to anyone else is abandoned alone. Yeah, isolated. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. different. Yeah, absolutely. There's also, um, I'm involved in the network of networks, which is another layer again. Eh? It is. It's, it's taking it one step further. So regionally, yes, we have Ministry of Social Development yes. and Again, MB, I'm just not going to try that whole yeah, yeah, again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Department of Maternal Affairs. Yeah. Um, TPK. Tupuni Kokuri. Yes, yeah. so you have a number of agencies, and, and again, these are the ones who are supplying mm. the services. And essentially the real key thing for someone to realize is these networks are the ones where the government money flows. Yes. And that's super important to, in terms of providing services. Um, which just helps me, Just I guess I point out where civil defense really sits in this, is that uh, each of these agencies and organizations has income, has money, has staff, or has whatever they need to service things. But if we have something hit, like COVID did, and suddenly that becomes super difficult until you hire more people for that uh, mm. organization or until they create different systems to deal with a sudden change, that's where when the lockdown happened in uh, level four. Mm. It mm. was a civil defense emergency for a couple of reasons. One, so that this organization had the funding to take care of a lot of things um, that gave time for individual mm. government agencies with funding that service all the different things to get themselves ready to face a changed world. Mm. And when they were all ready, we handed it back over. Yeah. So it's that's kind of we, in the worst times, we're there for that purpose as well. Yeah. There's a lot to it, isn't there? There is. It's not just when the bell goes and there's a problem. Yeah. And there's, I mean, it's constantly working on it. COVID resurgence planning and then the questions of what happens if during COVID there's also a tsunami. And a few people had that moment. Yeah. What do we do? Because, you know, there's social distancing. Well, then which one trumps the other one? Yeah. Okay, tsunami trumps COVID. It did feel like that would be the answer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If you would have asked me that question, I feel I would have got that right. Thankfully, most of it is quite common sense if you take you some know, time to think. I, I want to ask you though, you know, last time we were talking and you said panic slowly. Hmm. So that was a, t- a key takeaway because because I think that's just today, like how how much of common sense becomes challenged in a moment of an emergency? Uh, yes, it can be a lot for d- hmm. some people have difficulty with it more than other people and yeah. others just immediately see things super clearly yeah um you know it's like when you're driving in a car and someone in front of you has an accident and you Mm. arrive at this moment there are some people in cars that would uh, panic or just freeze or i don't know what to do and hope and there'll be you know uh, you might know someone you could be you could be someone in your family who's the person who will always go well then and they get out of the car and they sit there and they tell that person in that car you stop traffic up there and you do there's that that kind of difference yeah yeah absolutely so yeah, I notice that a lot when we uh, when we have an event. Um, it, em- emotions make it difficult to think clearly, mm. and so sometimes the challenge is to remove, not to be emotionless, but I mean just to remove mm. the in- in- initial excitement that goes through you and and well, transcends yeah. through that cloud. People react differently to that adrenaline too, don't they? They do. There's yeah. that fight, flight, freeze. Yes. Uh, situation. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's why I think if you're, you know, freezing's not brilliant, but if mm. your only other choice is fight, then 
fight slowly. Do Tai Chi instead <laughs> yeah, of... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something <laughs> so, super fast. Yeah, that makes same sense. move, but, you know, let's just yeah. take it gently. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's what we try to do. At least we try to keep our tone straight. Mm. Um, like, we, we can be humorous in normal times because, you know, we all have a sense of humor and we get it. Waikot is really funny. It's yeah. a hilarious sense of humor, this, this region. Um, but in an emergency, we do keep it straight, but we do, to a yeah. uh, degree, also make it kind of a little calming. We used to have a phrase on all of our cups to calm the farm. Yeah. Uh, it's still a bit, <laughs> still there, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, last time we were touching on to you don't, you don't call civil defence for um, something that is a personal emergency. Mm, yeah, so if you cut or, your finger, yeah, it's not us. It's not you. If if it's if it's a localized issue like your power's gone out, that again isn't you. Yeah. At which point is it civil defense and at which point do like how do you know that it's civil defense? Well, I guess the first thing to remember is if it's an emergency and your life and property are in danger, you get to us by calling 111. Yep. You don't ask for civil defense because you ask for fire or police or ambulance. Yes. Because that's the front line. What we're doing is coordinating uh, the other ways of making the system work because yep. ultimately that's what civil defense is. Emergency management is a system for coordinating the consequences of an emergency. So uh, police are still front line. Yes. Fire is front line. Yep. Uh, St. John, front line. And then we are in the back of this, uh, working with them, but also the other government departments, other councils, and we are starting to piece it together in in the other areas. So um, I guess if you think of it from the point of view of rungs of a tree, yeah, and uh, the little rung in the middle, sorry, the fir- the tiny rung in the middle, that's you. Mm. So ideally, if you're fit and you're healthy, and then your next rung out would be you looking after those around you. You might be good at first aid. Mm. You could help out. That, those two things alone are, are are super helpful. Yeah. And then after that, um, the next rung out might be your uh, neighbours, your mm. community. Then the next rung out might be council. Yeah. Then it might be your power and telco telephone companies, and then yeah. it might be one one one. And at some point, it gets bigger, so there's more agencies involved, yeah. more of an issue. And at some point, back in behind the scenes, you might find that it's becoming a coordinated event. Yeah. And we have a coordinated incident management system. Uh, naturally, we'll never say that. We'll always call it SIMS. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, but under there, we have a controller. And it changes from being a little bit democratic to a bit more militaristic at that point. Mm-hmm. And under the controller, we have a number of functions. Yeah. So those functions include operations, planning, intelligence, mm. uh, public information management, logistics, welfare, and on it goes. So as individuals then, what are a few things that we can do to prepare ourselves for an emergency? I think the first thing is to know how to find out what's going on. So let me take you through some of those. Uh, we did, the last week we did the Red Cross Hazards app. Yes. Um, you will also find that um, without you having to do anything about it at all, you'll find notifications can come if your phone just happens to be you know, modern enough. Yeah. Um, because that can be through an emergency mobile alert. You don't have to sign up. You can't sign up for it. It's just a separate frequency through cell phone towers. Yeah. Um, but you also have your local council's pages. So um, your your local council has a function called public information management, and that just kicks in. And often it's even going before you know there's an event. Uh, if it's a storm coming in, yeah. your, your comms people or your public information management team are already tracking that along with the, the 
people working on yep. the flood room, um, but you're, they're tracking those and, and giving you information that this may be coming. You might have to put your trampoline away. Yeah. Um, Hamilton shares trampolines like crazy in <laughs> <laughs> wind. Um, but so that stuff happens. And then if it gets a little bit more towards the danger area, you'll get information and they'll post it through their council Facebook pages, but also radio stations yeah. um, and they will be giving information out and posting it in places and, and radio stations will also be getting it through emails or however they each yeah. council has their relationships um, and so you're doing exactly what you need to do right now if there's something about to happen right now well you know you're on the radio yeah you're listening you'll find out um, if you can't get radio and you can't get the internet and you don't have a phone that can receive an emergency mobile alert and you don't have any friends or family who will tell you anything, it starts to get more difficult. Mm -hmm. There's no point waiting for a newspaper that tells you tomorrow what happened now. Yes. Um, although it's a very good archive. Newspapers have a fantastic uh, job and role in that. And also, if they're online, it's great. But again, if you don't have internet, there are ways that in the future you can... Um, there are things we're working on right now that uh, by summer you'll probably be able to talk to your, your through your community response groups um, and your council emergency management professional and just say, look, I have this problem. I, I, it's not that you yeah. don't want to connect, you just can't, and they will have a couple of other solutions for you. Yeah, but that's a great idea. And, of course, there's always neighbours, eh? Knock on a door. Absolutely. Um, and Red Cross did this really beautiful thing with one of their campaigns recently, and they had a, uh, a little tag that you could put on your neighbour's door handle and it introduced you you wrote your name and number down and say hi i'm your neighbor It'd be great to meet and have a coffee at some point you can feel free. you know it's not this yeah. creepy one you put your name and your phone number down and what number you are in the house and they can stalk you out and even see if you are true but you know that's another yeah. way of just getting to know someone yeah yeah absolutely so that's something else to keep in mind it is um the next thing would be to know what to do so if you can find out what's going on, that's the first job. Know yeah. what to do is the next. So I'll take you through. Um, we have a large risk of earthquakes. Now, I'm going to say if you're in Hamilton City, you might say, well, we don't have a lot of earthquakes in Hamilton. Well, that's not really the issue with an earthquake uh, so much as it's big earthquakes somewhere else because mm. it's a ripple. You know, like if you throw a stone into a pond, um, it's, it's not necessarily – you're not throwing it at your foot. So you're not going, well, my issue is not falling rocks. No not on my toe but if you do that there will be ripples so if you're standing in an area and you can't afford to get wet and a, a, wet and a ripple splashes your toe you have been affected mm -hmm. so if we had something like um, a earthquake that will cause a tsunami for the likes of Hawke's Bay you're like yeah. that's Hawke's Bay uh huh tsunami yes caused by what an earthquake and what happens with an earthquake well in addition to pushing the water out of the way which then has to flow somewhere there's the energy that releases and energy will go in, in 360 degrees. Well, it depends on what sort of rock there is. But generally, we'd expect um, a large earthquake that causes a tsunami problem on the, the east coast to have ripples that go all the way up to Auckland. And mm. there are different ways of measuring it. So um, let's say we talk about magnitude something earthquake. That's one measure. But there's another one called the Mercalli Index. And uh, we call it MMI. You don't need to remember that, but what I'm going to give you right now is an example of uh, something that's fairly catastrophic for the east coast, Hawke's Bay, Gisborne Way. Yeah. For Hamilton City, the earthquake will flow up this area, so you'll feel the vibrations. It's not catastrophic. 
Mm. Um, so essentially it just shakes things around a wee bit. So the simple thing to do to prepare for it is if you look at your shelf on the wall, mm. um, the Earthquake Commission has been saying this for years, fix fast and forget. But that's a super practical thing to keep remembering. If you've got some special china mm. and some glass things on a shelf and the shelf is just basically stood against the wall, you might want to fasten the shelf a bit and put the heavy things at the bottom and the, yeah. and, and rattly things. But but if I give you that scenario, there's glass in China on a cabinet, yeah. and the cabinet is not fixed to the wall, and you have some windows. And like if your window has a wee crack in it, you just would call the insurance, or you'd you'd ask someone to help you, and you'd get a pane mm. of glass replaced. It's a crack, right? But that's in the daytime. If you had a piece of glass cracking, that's all. No no biggie. But mm-hmm. if I put this to you and it's the evening, you feel the shaking happening in the evening. Because of the shaking, someone nearby you is driven into a power pole because they've got mm. a fright in the car. There's a moment where suddenly your lights go out. You're feeling the shaking. When everyone's houses are shaking, there's a rumbly sound. Yeah. Then if everyone's shelves are shaking, there's a smashing sound. And if their shelves are falling and then your grass glass cracks, yes. it's the simple things that are no biggie in each in their own mo- moment. And then at the same time, you'll hear sirens, and then you might hear people freaking out. Yeah. Um, so it all creates <laughs> It's a, a huge emotional bubble. Yeah. The actual moments themselves could have been you know, fixed, fastened, not yes. a biggie, crack in the glass, not so bad. If it's raining at the same time and your glass yeah. cracks and, and your shelf falls into your glass, now the rain comes in, the whole thing feels catastrophic. Yeah. In reality, each of these elements is relatively yeah. manageable. So, hmm. In the last two minutes, because we've run out of time, I know, um, there's the big shakeout actually in October. Yes. And there's some messaging there too that I'd love for us to finish up on. It's to remind us to, and this is by the way, the date is uh, 28th of October. It's a Thursday. It's at 9.30, the National Shakeout Drill. Feel free to sign up. Just type in shakeout.org and, uh, or dot shakeout.govt.nz and sign up and it'll let you know all the, be- all the things you need to know. Um, but the biggest thing I want to, to say is it's, it's to drop cover and hold. And the reason you need to cover is because in our country, it's not the triangle. People used to talk about the triangle. You know, you make sure. Life. Yeah. 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 Well, for us, that's because we have earthquake proof buildings. The walls are less likely to fall down. That's more uh, the issue for us is stuff falling on our heads. So the triangle of life was really the sandwich of death here. Yes. Because if you, you, your issue is your ceiling panels, things above you. If you're in a big apartment building and you rush out and there's an awning and the awning has bits in it that lights and things that fall down and smack you out, you need to stay conscious. So yes. the trick is to keep yourself conscious. So protect your brain, protect your head. And when the shaking stops, you're, you know, you're able to do something about it because you're not unconscious. So yeah. that's a really big piece. So you drop to get under something, cover your head. That's the biggest part of it. Yeah. And hold on because sometimes if a table moves across and you, your head's, your eyes are closed – Suddenly you're exposed and you didn't realize the table moved. So that's why the hold on part's there, but yeah. it's the cover. Cover part. is, yeah, really, really key. So that's in 28th of October. Certainly encourage people to keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, and always so good to practice, eh? Because, you know, you might feel a bit stupid practicing, but actually, if you've practiced something and then an event happens, your body knows what to do, eh? When, yes. you're, when your brain's shut down a bit. And you also realize that part where you've got that table that's got that bar underneath between the two legs and you go to jump under there and smack your head on the bar and realize, oh, not that table, not that way. Or or maybe get (laughs) under that table and actually I've got something to hold. So so that's helpful. So that's a biggie. (laughs) So look, that's us for another week. And and I know that time just flew by, but um, really appreciate you joining us, um, Drew. That's so helpful. 
Thanks, Holly. Um, in the meantime, encourage people to do a bit of thinking about that. Have those conversations with your family. How is it that you spread information? How is it you communicate with, with each other? How do you know what's going on? Um, what are you going to do as a family? How are you prepared? Um, and practice, of course, the, um, the getting undercover and holding on should there uh, an earthquake occur. That's for another week. Thank you for listening to Connect with Community Waikato, 3FM 89.0. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.